curating curiosity with compelling conversations. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul with Everything's Interesting with Jesse Mogul. Check me out on my website, mediamogul.com. iTunes is mediamogul.com forward slash iTunes, all forms of social media at Jesse Mogul, except for Facebook, which is at Media Mogul. Today's episode is absolutely fantastic. I cannot believe that I had a chance to run into this gentleman doing a hike here in Los Angeles, California. It was up to the wisdom tree. I was uh, watching him put together a light. It was, you know, I'm not even going to go into all that. Let me introduce him first. This is Kenny Paston. Kenny, hello, sir. How are you today? How's it going? Good, good, good. Great, and, great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. It was amazing meeting you up there. I'll give everyone a, a little background before I have you jump in. You were you like me and my two friends had a dog and you had a dog and we kept passing you on the trail because you were walking up there with a female and you had uh, your dog. Uh, I'm going to let you do all the introductions with the pup here in a minute. But I'll just tell the quick backstory was that we kept passing you back and forth. And I remember seeing this dude with a backpack and a flag on it. And I was like, man, there's got to be a reason why this guy is carrying around a military flag because the way it was folded was clearly military. And um, we got up to the top and you started hammering a pole into the ground. You were doing all this stuff with the light. And finally I walked up to you and I was like, you know, uh, what, what's going on, man? What are you doing? And uh, it was a great story and it's what got me uh, to be a huge fan of yours. And now you're here on the show. So please, Kenny, uh, let's, let's discuss what it was you were doing up on the top of Wisdom Tree. Um, let's, you know, maybe we should start with the flag first. What, where do you think we should start with this story? Because I know you've told it before. I want you to make sure you're happy with the way this comes out. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, always happy to share it and, and, uh, you know, have people hear, hear about it for sure. Um, so I guess that day, uh, I was going up to the wisdom tree to, um, to install a new solar panel light, to, to be able to illuminate the flag that's, uh, permanently placed up there. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was just installing a new, a new light, um, to get it going at night so people could see it and it'd be, uh, illuminated at night. Let's talk about the flag that's up there before we get into your backstory. Cause it, there's a great military story there and I really want people to hear it. But as far as the flag that's up there, it, there was, there was an older one. You, there was a newer one, but you know, it turns out you're the whole reason why that flag even exists up there. Uh, explain to people about that process of getting that flag up there and, and why it's so important. Um, so at the base of it, it says uh, September 11, uh, and it's supposed to be a memorial to the fallen of, of that tragedy. Um, somebody else actually put that in. Uh, that, that was there uh, before I, I started this whole thing. Um, but back in 2000, uh, 2016, um, in January of 2016, I went up there and I saw uh, that there was this base and it didn't, you know, have a flag in it. Um, and so I, I, the next time I went up, I put uh, a small, you know, the ones that you hang on your porch, a, a, a three foot by five foot flag. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, every time I would go up there, I'd make sure it's still there. And a few times it was taken away. Um, and I would just keep replacing it and replacing it. Uh, eventually I kind of, uh, moved up the stakes. I, I put a 10 foot pole up and, uh, I put, a, a five foot by nine foot flag. Um, and then we graduated to a 15 foot pole with That's an huge. Uh, eight foot flag, uh, eight by a 12 foot flag. 
So now it's a, it's a pretty massive flag that can see, be seen from the 101 freeway um, and, and all the neighborhoods around uh, Hollywood, or the area around Hollywood. It is gigantic. I mean, it's, I feel like it could cover a queen-size bed. So if people yeah, need it's, it's a shake. It's definitely like the size of a car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you could use it as a car cover. I mean, it was gigantic. And it, it was just, you know, to meet the person who put the flag up there. I mean, this is a huge city. I go on a lot of hikes. I rarely meet anybody who's got a, an emotional pull to a particular hiker. And so to meet you, the person who was putting the flag up there and putting the light up there at the same time, uh, it drew me to you, and let's. This is a perfect segue into why, um, you know, the American flag that you were carrying on your bag is important to you. Let's talk about your military history because it was really when you got into that that touched me. Uh, well, we can go into your mountain story. I'm telling you, listeners, this guy has got so many amazing stories that are t uh, pull at your heartstrings, man. But let's talk about your history with the military and what it was you, why the flag symbolizes so much to you? Um, well, even before that, um, I, I'd say uh, growing up here in Los Angeles, um, being a, a Chicano, uh, being a, a, of Mexican descent, uh, being born here in, in the States, um, really, uh, it, it, it gave me a different perspective. Um, it, it, it made me realize that you know, my parents didn't have the same opportunities growing up that I do. Um, and so with that, you know, growing up and becoming an adult and, and realizing that I'm afforded so many privileges and, 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 and rights and, and uh, I, I felt like joining the army would be my way of repaying that, that debt um, back to America and, 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 you know, giving back. And so the flag, um, the flag was given to me while I was assigned to the uh, California Army National Guard. I was part of the, the honor guard, the, the funeral detail, if you will. Um, so uh, when I was doing the funeral detail, we used to uh, hold the flags and do the, the uh, ceremony to present the, the next of kin, the, the wife, the mother, whoever was uh, to survive the, the, the soldier. Um, so we would fold the flag and uh, we would give them the speech um, you know, on behalf of a grateful nation, you know, this flag is presented to you, all, all that stuff, um, and appreciation for their, their sacrifice, because, you know, as soldiers, it's not just us that sacrifice, but it's our families as well, um, that they're also a part of it. Um, so yeah, I used to, uh, hold the flag and, and present it to, to the next of kin. And this specific flag was given to me uh, but my, my team leader in, in the honor guard, um, and it was so that someday when I pass away, I could be buried with my own flag. So this, this flag would be put into the coffin with me. Um, and so uh, I joined the Army in 2007, um, almost at 10 years now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've carried this flag with me everywhere. Um, everywhere I've gone uh, around the world, uh, all of my hiking trips, you know, we recently uh, just conquered Mount Whitney and we, we waved this flag above uh, Mount Whitney. Um, it was on the wall while I was deployed to, to Iraq. Um, yeah, everywhere I've gone, this flag has always, always been with me. And, uh, you know, on that day that we had the accident, it's, it's, you know, the reason we, we stayed alive, you know, one of, one of the reasons we stayed alive. 
you know, we're going to get to the accident shortly because I really want people to, 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 to hear the rest of this story before we move on from it. Um, you know, how many times did you have to give that speech? Because when you told me this originally, it sounded like it was a lot. And just <laughs> to be able to do that and have that sentimentality and, and, to, and to just have that compassion and empathy for that person you were giving the fly to, knowing they had just lost somebody that they loved. I mean, what kind of emotional, um, you know, outage did that take from you every single time you had to do that? Honestly, um, it was extremely hard. Uh, I mean, all of my assignments in the army have been very, uh, special and meaningful. And I take very, uh, I take a, a huge sense of pride in everything that I, that I do with the army. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I did this for, for five days a week, uh, sometimes two to three times a day, uh, for about six months. Um, you know, the, just various, uh, funerals throughout um, throughout Los Angeles County sometimes even out in, in Ventura and Oxnard um, so it was it was extremely hard um, and and often uh, I would go home and cry I, you know I didn't know this person um, I didn't know this soldier I didn't have a specific connection to them other than you know he or she was you know a brother in arms you know we, we we share the same values and mentality and, and, you know, we serve the same great nation. Um, but it was, it was definitely hard to see that, that grieving mother or wife or, or you know, son or daughter even. Um, it, it was, it was, it was very stressful, but I, I also saw it as, you know, th this is, this is our, our reality. This is our truth. You know, we will die. Um, and, and, um, you know, hopefully we die doing something that we believe in. And, and so I loved it. You know, I, I it was hard at the same time, but I, I loved it because I could do something special and meaningful for that, that person. And, and I know that those, uh, you know, as, as hard as it was to, to receive that flag from the, to the next of kin, um, I'm sure they appreciate it. And, and, you know, it was a, a nice final gesture and, and a bit of closure for them. So, you know, again, it was tough, but it was, it was good. I love does, it. does everyone who goes into the military get one of these flags like you, because you got, no. you, you were given one specifically so that, you know, cause when you left, but most people, they don't get this flag, right? This is something that only is given to the family when they pass away. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Th this was, uh, this was kind of like a, you know, a good job from my team leader. Um, because I, I, this is a voluntary service. Uh, I didn't have to do it. I, I wasn't, you know, like in the army, we say voluntold, you know, they, they say you're volunteering, but you're really not, you're being told you're going here. Um, but I, I signed up for this, you know, I, my, my regular job was a 19 Delta cavalry scout. Um, and this was an additional duty that I volunteered to do that I knew that they were understaffed and that they didn't have the help they needed. And I said, you know what, I'll, I'll volunteer. You know, it wasn't something that I was making tons of money or even doing it for the money. Um, it was something extra that I wanted to give back to my, uh, my community. And that's, you know, a huge part of why I joined the army in the, the, the first place was, was to, to give back and make a difference in people's lives. Yeah. And I mean, you, I mean, you made it such a difference for those people because it's a tragedy. It's, it's such a heartbreaking experience to have to go through, but at least they knew that someone who was compassionate and, and, and empathetic towards them was, 
was the one doing the speech. And uh, again, you know, let me laud you a little bit more about that, man, because I don't know how many people could have ever have done it so many times the way you did. Right. And it was never like, oh, this speech again or, you know, just repetitive. Um, it, it was it was sincere. I, I, I would like to think that, that every time I said it, I, I really meant it. And, you know, it, you know, the words on, on behalf of a grateful nation, you know, I, I really meant it. You know, I, I appreciated uh, each and every one of those members uh, service to our nation, you know, because without them, without those that have gone before us, you know, those that come after would be nothing. Um, and so I tried to, to live up to their, their legacy and, and, you know, give them the best that I could. Do you have any involvement with the military now? Yes, I, I'm currently uh, a sergeant in the airborne uh, in the reserves, army reserves. How much of a time commitment is, it, does that take for you? Uh, it's one weekend a month, uh, so it, it can vary. I mean, this, this coming this uh, weekend, I have a three-day weekend. Uh, sometimes it's one day, two day. It could be up to four days. So it's, it's, it's very part-time, um, but meaningful nonetheless. Yeah, let's go into your after the military life because uh, – and I'll start to reference some of the things I learned from the, your interview, your segment on that ABC show. ABC, right? Was that ABC yes. show? Um, that when you came out, you maybe felt like you had some PTSD, which seems natural, anybody in that situation. And um, rather than lean on the, uh, the VA, you decided to, to lean on your pup pup. And so let's, let's bring uh, your dog into this, introduce, introduce the name of your dog. I've been waiting for you to do it because I yeah. love the name. Um, and so, yeah, you know, talk, talk to us about your after military life because I'll be even brief on this, but I definitely want to touch on this, that most of us don't understand what it's like, first of all, to be in military, let alone to be in a conflict zone, but then to come back, we definitely don't understand what it's like to, to go through the PTSD I and mean, you're trained to be in battle and then you come back and you're not trained to be a citizen uh, again. And so you figured out a way that was going to help you cope with it the best. And it sounds like it's working great for you. Right, right. So, uh, yeah. So to, to build a little bit of a timeline. Um, so I, I joined the national guard and I did that for about like a year and a half or so. And then from there I decided to go active duty. Um, and I did that from like 2008 till about, uh, 2011. Um, so, so that, uh, and, and I deployed in 2008 to 2009, uh, while on active duty. Um, and when I came home uh, to Los Angeles, I came home uh, as a reservist. So I, I joined the Army Reserve. Um, so I was definitely still in the Army, still having that semblance of, of, of military life, but not quite as much. Um, I was going to school full time and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was very different. Um, you know, different military branches, they deploy for different lengths of time. Um, and the army is, is the longest the army deploys for 12 months. Um, and so, uh, a lot, a lot changes, a lot happens in 12 months. You know, when, when you deploy to these places, um, and you come home and, you know, clothes is different. You, t you, you know, those are little things that you take for granted, but you know, people dress differently. The music is different. Um, it feels like the whole culture is, is different. People don't talk the same. Um, when I, when I came home from my deployment, I, I felt like a foreigner in my own country. Um, 
you know, I, I felt awkward and, and, and weird. Um, and definitely, you know, when you're in a place where uh, people are trying to kill you for, for a year, um, yeah. it, it definitely, it definitely wears on your nerves. Uh, whether you're actively getting blown up or getting shot at, just the fact that you're, you know, that every night that you go to sleep, you might not wake up. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's stressful to say the, to, to say the least. Um, and, uh, yeah, when I, when I came home, um, you know, sometimes I would wake up, you know, remembering certain incidents, um, different situations. Um, so yeah, I, I ended up, uh, feeling like I, I, there was something wrong or something different and I, I didn't know, uh, you know, what to do about it. And I didn't, uh, uh, yeah, I try, I actually tried go, going to the VA and, and back then, um, the, the VA system was, was, was horrendous. It's still not great. It's getting better. Um, but, uh, you know, it was like a six to eight month waiting period just, just to see a doctor for the first time. Um, That's crazy so to me that, that, I mean, you come back from a military conflict and I don't mean to interrupt, but I won't really want the viewer to, uh, and the listeners to understand this. I mean, you're, you're somewhere where you can't even go like we've all read enough newspaper articles. Hopefully people are paying attention still that, you know, you can't even leave the base, your protected area. There could be an IED there. You know, a local could be trying right. to shoot at you. I mean, there could be so many different distractions and you come back from that where you're always on edge. Even when you don't think you need to be on edge, there, you, you all I'm sure over there know about stories. Oh yeah. You know, this, this, this platoon or this brigade went out for just what was supposed to be a normal leisurely check-in on the locals and boom, this happened. So you come back from that always on edge and then you go to the VA and in six or eight months to seek help. I mean, that's outrageous. Right. Yeah. It, 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 uh, it was very, it's very sad and, and discouraging, uh, because I was going in to say, Hey, I, you know, I just want to talk to somebody and they treated me like, I was trying to get money out of them, you know, like, like, Oh, well you need to go through the proper channels to make a claim. And I said, I'm, I'm not trying to make a claim. I'm not trying to say, Hey, you guys owe me money. I just wanted to talk to somebody. I just wanted to, to feel like I could have a conversation with someone that would understand. Um, and, and, you know, when I, when I came home from, from Iraq, I lost a lot of friends. Uh, I lost a lot of, of close friends because, nobody understood what it was like. Nobody understood what I went through. Um, and, and it was difficult trying to relate with people. And, and it, I'm, I'm sure I came off like a jerk or rude because I would just get very irritated with people's problems and just listening to the things that they would complain about. And, you know, being in, in a situation like that, you're like, man, other people have it worse than you, you know, like these people, you know, would get blown up and see their children, you know, dismembered. And here we are complaining about traffic, you know, yeah. or, or, yeah. or hating your job. You know, it's like, you, you just don't even know cause you don't appreciate it until you go through something as, as life changing as, as that is. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was hard, but you know, I, I would never take it back. Uh, my deployment was the hardest year of my life and the best year of my life. Um, I made some pretty amazing memories 
you know, with my interpreters, with the local nationals, uh, with my army buddies. Um, and, you know, we, we encountered a lot. We saw a lot. We, we suffered a lot. You know, we missed our families, but um, I, I definitely feel like I made a difference in the world. You know, you don't always hear about all the schools that we build and all the backpacks and, and books that we hand out. You know, you always hear about, oh, you know, this guy went crazy and he shot a bunch of people or, you know, he, uh, you know, all the bad things that, that, that happen and that, that is portrayed in the media. But very rarely do you see the images of, you know, me and my team uh, blowing up explosives. We found, you know, bombs and, you know, we disarmed these bombs or, you know, we, we went out and we helped build a school or we helped fund a, a, an orphanage or, you know, different, different things that we did. You know, we, we trained the local uh, Iraqi army. You know, those are the things that they don't really show you guys about that, 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 that you know, really do happen. And, and, you know, we were all very proud of the job that we were doing there. Um, and then, you know, we come home and, and the VA uh, shamefully just did not take care of us, you know. When you, when you join, they say, you know, if you take care of your country, your country will take care of you. And that was not true. You know, it, it's like I said, it's getting better. Uh, the president has signed a, a new act to, to help expedite uh, the appointment system. And, and, and definitely I've, I've, I've gone now and, and, and it is night and day. Um, you know, I, I can see someone every week if I really want to. Um, so it's getting better. But, uh, you know, we still have a, a ways to go. I think everybody, well, again, people who are paying attention to news would remember when the reports came out that the VA backlog was humongous, that there was like whole floors of buildings with paperwork. I mean, like they were living in the 80s. Nothing was autom automated. Nothing was computerized. And so it's good to hear that you're seeing differences now. You know, I'm sure this is stuff that started getting implemented back with Obama and hopefully Trump continues on that way because you it's really a shame when you see military vets on this, on the street, you know, uh, yeah. that, that are in a bad place. So, you know, they came back, maybe they got on drugs or they fell on hard times and it's not too hard to differentiate them between other homeless people or other people having a hard time about them. Cause they're usually wearing some sort of military garb. And I'm, you know, I don't just, yeah, some people are like, Oh, they could have bought that military jacket at the Goodwill. I'm just going to err on the side of respect and assume that if they're wearing a military jacket or a hat, it's probably because that that's where they spent their time. Um, and so it is sad. So it's good to hear that it's getting better, and we certainly hope that it continues to get better. Yeah, this is actually something that's close to my heart because, uh, you know, here in the city of Los Angeles, you know, we're the second largest city in America, but we're actually the first largest population of, of veterans. There are more veterans here in the city of Los Angeles than there is anywhere else in the nation. And, uh, you know, it, it, uh, it, it really hits home that we have about – 58,000 homeless and a lot of those homeless are veterans. They're homeless veterans with, with some sort of mental illness or uh, drug addiction or, or something that, that, you know, disrupted their life. And then it just was a downward spiral and, and they couldn't find help or they couldn't find someone to listen. Um, and, and again, this is something that's close to my heart because I was actually homeless you know, I, I was homeless for two years and I actually recently just got an apartment. Uh, you know, I've, I've just recently been able to 
rebuild my life and get back on my feet. You know, I've, I've only been in my current apartment for four and a half months now. So, you know, when I, when I, and I, and I go down to Skid Row uh, weekly and, and I talk to people and it's just like the, their stories, you know, it, it, it really, it really hits home that, that we, we really do not take care of our veterans um, the way that I feel we should, you know, what, what was promised to them in their contract. You know? Yeah, yeah. Let, let's touch on that a little bit about you, your, your homelessness and, and now your house. I mean, what what led you to becoming homeless? Let's start there. What led you to becoming homeless? Um, uh, I felt like my life fell apart. Um, I was married at the time. Um, I had a you know forty five thousand dollar Mercedes. I had a townhouse in Beverly Hills. Um, you know, I, I, I felt like I had everything, you know, and, and, um, you know, just one thing after another, just personal heartbreak with, you know, my personal struggles of losing all of my friends because of, of PTSD, um, came home and my wife was gone one day. Uh, a few months later, my, my father passed away from cancer. Um, and, and the PTSD really just, got a hold of me and, and I went into a depression and, you know, I lost my job, then eventually lost my home. Uh, it just, I was, I was homeless in my $45,000 Mercedes. I was wow. living in my Mercedes and I, I, I really was at rock bottom. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, it all fell apart on me. Um, and, uh, you know, I was going to school and for one reason or another, the funding under the Obama administration uh, was cut off to the, to the VA. Um, and so um, my schooling, my tuition wasn't paid for. So I had to drop out of UCLA. Um, so I now had no income because at the time I was making money from the GI Bill. The GI Bill was paying for my tuition and it was helping pay for my bills and and my rent and stuff like that. So that was basically the last straw. When, when my uh, VA tuition assistance was cut off, I had no, no income. And so um, when I went to try to apply for a job and, and try to support myself, um, I was met with a lot of uh, prejudice. Um, when I went to apply for jobs, all of my, my work history was the army. You know, to this point, it, I was about seven years into being in the army, and um, everyone would always ask me very uh, inappropriate questions, like, "How many people have you killed? You know, how, what's it like being blown up? Um, you know, how how bad is your PTSD?" And so nobody would hire me. No one would give me a job. Everyone would turn me away, and and. You know, th these were hiring managers. You know, this is the HR department asking these these very dumb questions. That, that they, would, just, they would ask you how many people you killed during a job interview. Yes, yes. They would see my, my military history and they'd be like, oh, uh, you were in combat? And I was like, yes. They're like, oh, that's cool. What was it like killing people? And that was like, that was a sh like a straight, honest question. Like it wasn't even like, sarcastic or, or jokingly like 
with a straight face, these people were like, what was it like killing people? You know, did, did you enjoy it? Did you have fun being there? And I'm like, what? What? That is insane. I can't even believe so. I mean, people tell me they've been in the military. I'll ask them if they were in a conflict zone. And if they say yes, the, yes or no, that pretty much where the conversation stops. Like, okay, I'm not, you know, if you want to talk more, but like, I can't believe they would start diving in, wanting personal details. Right. It almost felt like it, it was no longer a job interview and it was more of just like they were watching a cool movie and I was the center of, you know, the movie. And it was just like, oh, that's cool. And But then I was like, but, you know, what about the job? And they're like, oh, we'll let you know if something opens up. And I'm just like, I thought I was here because something opened up. And they're like, oh, we'll give you a call. And I went to hundreds, hundreds of, of job interviews for different positions, not just like, oh, something in an office or something fancy. I I don't want to name names, but I went to a very well-known California uh, fast food restaurant. And a fast food restaurant turned me down. They, they wow. turned me away, wouldn't take me. Um, and And... Honestly, that was that was it. That was the last straw uh, when when this burger joint wouldn't even take me uh, because I I was a veteran and I felt like I was I was very much um, being profiled. That you know Hollywood makes it seem like all veterans are crazy. You know every time you see a a, a military member or veteran, you know they're they're crazy. They they have something going on and they're gonna they're they're gonna harm somebody. Um, and I feel like that was, that was my biggest hurdle was, was nobody would give me a job. Nobody would give me an opportunity. And, 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 you know, when, when that company turned me down, I basically had to, to quit, lay down and die or make an opportunity for myself. And then that, that's eventually what I did. I, I went into business for myself and, and, and uh, started a, a dog walking, a pet sitting company. Uh, some of the experiences that I that I had while in the in the army, I, I you know went into handling dogs. Yeah, you know, uh, before we transition away from that, I just wanted to comment that it, it sounds like it would have been more advantageous for you to just lie on your resume about other work experience and not tell anyone you're in the military, and that it's a disgrace that somebody would have to do that. Honestly, a, a few of my friends. Uh, said, yeah, why, why do you even tell them that? Why do you even mention that you were in the army? Why don't you just, you know, add a different job or make something up, you know, have a friend lie for you? And I said, first of all, I served my country honorably and proudly and to deny my military service would be a huge dishonor to, you know, what I've done and what I've accomplished and, and, and those that have served before me. And I, and I said, you know, if they're doing this, that's on them. That's bad karma on them. You know, I'm not going to lie that I didn't do what, what I did and I didn't see what I saw. You know, I, that, that's just not who I am. Um, and, yeah, it would have been a lot easier to just pretend like those seven years never happened. And, you know, it just – but that's just not who I am. And I, and I, and I said, no, I, I, I believe in what I believe and I, and I have to see it through. 
Well, I, I admire your convictions because I would have been one of those friends telling you to just fall. I would have been one of your, I would have been that friend who would have just falsified a resume for you and handed it to you. <laughs> I've done that in LA. I've been like, oh, you need a resume? I, I know how to do this. No problem. So I would have been one of those friends. I'm glad you had conviction enough to stand up for what mattered to you and to figure out a way that you could make something good out of you know, all these different companies saying no, because to open up the dog walking business to the, the dog sitting business, let's bring in your dog. Now let's talk about your, about your pup because it's what got you through the hardest times of your PTSD. And you know, I met your dog that day, introduce your dog to the, to the listeners and the viewers. So my dog's name is Rexitron. Yeah, let's call him over actually. Come here, Rex. Um, Come here, you. Come here. Come here. He's like, I don't want to be on camera. What's going? What is this? What yeah, is this? He's, he's totally being shy now. Yeah, he he was all about the selfies that day we were at Wisdom Tree. Rexytron, what's up, there dude? <laughs> right. Just a um, just a beautiful dog. So well behaved. Yeah. So awesome so, on the hike. <laughs> yeah. So so Rexytron. Uh, so when when I was going through issues. Um, I, like I said, I couldn't get any help from the VA. And um, again, I felt like, well, if no one's going to help me, I got I to gotta do it for myself. And uh, I, I went out and I, and, I, and I tried finding a dog um, that, would, that would fit me and my lifestyle. And um, I found this, this breeder that, that um, they had, uh, they're called Belgian Malinois. Um, and they're, they're the new police and military dogs. And these are the kind of dogs that I, encountered while on my deployment and uh it really just like it, it hit home for me i was like you know this reminds me of the time i spent um uh, and it, it, it's a dog that's going to fit my lifestyle um and so uh i got this dog uh and we went through training together to to, to make him a service dog and uh the the day that i went to go get him um the breeder said, oh, you don't choose the dog. The dog chooses you. So, you know, you don't just get to go to the pet store and pick the cutest one. Um, I, I sat down. She had me sit down, and she threw a tennis ball over me, and all, she let the dogs go, and they all ran out, and, and Rex was the last one to jump over. He was actually the run to the litter. He, he jumped over me, and, and in midair, he, like, froze and looked back at me, and when he landed, he ran right straight to me, and he just jumped right into my arms. Um, and, and in that moment, I picked him up, and we stood up together, and we made eye contact. And uh, the, the name Rexitron is from one of my favorite cartoons growing up, was Voltron. And the story behind Voltron is it's, he's the defender of the universe. He, he goes around fighting bad guys and protecting the universe. Um, and in that moment, when, when Rex looked me straight into my eyes and we made eye contact, I just knew that, that Rex would be the defender of my universe. And so I named him Rexitron in, in honor of, of Voltron. And, and, you know, what he does for me is, is amazing on a daily basis. You know, I, I'm so thankful that I have him and, and that, you know, we work together. You know, it, it's amazing. I, I, I don't know if I'd still be here if I didn't have him. To, to be quite honest, and, and you know, suicide is no joke, and it's not nothing to take lightly. But um, I've I've had some moments where uh, I definitely would not be here if it weren't for him, for sure. I mean, that's just so powerful that you can make that connection 
with Rex at that moment and know that this was going to be the dog that was going to help you get through. I mean, I get through some dark times because I have to, you come back and if you don't have people that you can talk to about this, then you, then you end up somebody who recently got sober. One of our, one of our sayings in my meetings I go to is the opposite of addiction is connection. And so without that connection, you're just sitting at your house and you're, you're, you're not addicted to anything. You're just depressed which is just, just a bad, dark place to be in and to have this dog. I mean, is that what he provided for you was just that love of knowing, wow, you know, now I have a dog. Now I have an animal I need to take care of. I can't just be living in my car anymore. Not that there wasn't a million reasons to get out of your car, but it's like, wow, now there's another life dependent upon me. Yeah, well, actually, the, the breeder, she told me, you know, if you're not really active, if you, you're not out there all the time, you better get active because this – this dog requires a lot of activity, a lot of love, a lot of, of patience, and uh, you need to um, get out there and take care of him. And so um, I got into hiking um, be, because of, of having him. Um, so that really having Rex um, and having to take care of him and uh, going hiking and, and the therapeutic properties of being in nature are are they're amazing you know being on a trail zoning out and just listening to nature and, and just being peaceful uh, is really a, a powerful thing um and so yeah rex totally pushed me to to be more active and to be more social really because um he, he really is a handsome pup <laughs> and uh, everywhere we go, um, there's just like swarms of people that are, they just want to hug him and, and play with him and, and just, just talk about what kind of dog is he, you know, where did you get him from? What, what does he do for you? And that really got me back into uh, socializing with people. Um, like I said, when you're, when you're gone and you're in a place where you're just with your team, you know, it's just you and your four man team, that's it. You know, you, you become more antisocial. You, you kind of retreat back into yourself. Um, and so, you know, having Rex and, and dealing with that really um, helped me uh, move back into that, that uh, positive direction for sure. Uh, has having Rex helped with the dog walking and the dog sitting business? I mean, do people see you with your own dog and think, yeah, okay, this guy knows what he's doing? Yeah, um, what uh, what helps is that uh, he's so well behaved when he, well when he wants to when, he, when he, <laughs> most of the time he he's, he's very much a walking advertisement for you know how how well you know training can go and 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 how good they can be on a leash and and yeah so what what's nice is that I, I give Rex commands to, to hurry up or slow down or you know take a break and he kind of makes the other dogs fall in line. So it definitely uh, makes my job easier uh, to have him sometimes. Again, when he wants to be here. <laughs> uh, as far as your clients go, do you, t do you tell them you were in the military and, and do you see any pushback with them from that or is it nothing but respect? Um, no, I've never had an issue with it because mm -hmm. I do advertise that uh, it, it, I'm a veteran-owned business um, and yeah, basically I'm a veteran owned business. And, um, so people, people know from the, from the very beginning, uh, that I'm a veteran 
and I and sometimes they ask about it. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I spent this amount of time. I did this. You know, I've I've, I've seen the military working dog handlers. I've worked with them, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, but, but yeah, they always uh, are surprised. Uh, a, a bunch of them saw the, the, uh, the TV movie and were like, wow, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that about you because I, you know, I, 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 I try to be humble, I think, and not really talk about some stuff. And, and, and a lot of them were like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that you almost died, you know, um, because I actually started the business after, after the accident. So, so yeah, it was actually before their time. So, so yeah. Yeah. Well now, now you've brought it up. So we have, so now we get to go there again, another great segue by Kenny. You're doing my job for me. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about the TV movie because you sent me that over. I watched it. It's, uh, you know, it's an, it's an insane story. I know we're, uh, there's so many different ask, you know, you tell, you tell the story. You don't have to go into great detail. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes and it over on my YouTube page. If, uh, so people want to check it out, but you went for a hike and things did not go well. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we, uh, we went on a hike, uh, it was myself and, and uh, another hiker and, and Rex. Um, it was supposed to be a, a quick day hike. Um, we're going up to Mount San Gorgonio, which is the tallest mountain in Southern California at 11,503 feet. Um, and we, we were prepared for a day hike, you know, water, uh, snacks, um, and, and, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, we, we went up in the morning and it was, it was pretty hot and, you know, it was, it was a really hot day. It was winter. So we came prepared with with cold weather undershirts and, and long pants, um, jackets and beanies and, and gloves. Uh, but once we started the trail, it, it was definitely not cold. So we, we ended up taking all that stuff off. Um, moving along, we get up towards the top of about three quarters of the way up and uh, we sit down to take a break and we, we get hit with a, a snowstorm just, just out from behind the mountains. It, it hit us and, and, you know, it was completely white. The ground was white. The sky was white. Um, you know, we couldn't figure out where to go. And in that moment, uh, you know, my military training kicked in and, uh, I saw a bush at a distance and we ran towards that bush to, to make, make a shelter. Uh, we, we ended up digging a foxhole, uh, and, and we jumped in the foxhole and, and, uh, the American flag that we talked about in the beginning that was given to me in the honor guard, that was the flag that I used to, um, to cover ourselves with. Uh, we, we bundled ourselves up in this American flag that, you know, for a soldier is supposed to be wrapped around your coffin, you know, when you die. And here we are trying to use this flag to stay alive. Um, and so we were, we were basically buried alive uh, under the snow. Uh, we, we ended up surviving about 17 hours um, on this, this mountain and sub-zero uh, temperatures. Um, and, and so, you know, thankful to, to this, having this flag and always carrying it with me everywhere I go, you know, it, it saved my life. Um, and uh, that, that's part of the reason why the flag is up at, at Wisdom Tree and some of the other locations like the Hollywood sign, Runyon Canyon, Griffith Park Observatory. Um, I wanted to bring... Uh, what happened to me uh, back to the city of Los Angeles 
and, and starting the, the Rex flag challenge. So I named it after my dog, Rexitron. Um, and each one of the flags at the different locations is actually dedicated to one of my fallen uh, buddies, uh, Alan Gossick and, and some of the other guys, uh, Thomas Avey and, and, and uh, Andrew Russell. Um, each flag is dedicated to a different one of them. And, and um, so I wanted to bring patriotism back to the city of Los Angeles and say, hey, you know what? Thankful that I had my flag. It saved my life along with my determination and my military training. Um, so I started the Rex Flag Challenge to where you, um, you go to the four different locations and you take a picture with the flag and you hashtag, you use the hashtag Rex Flag Challenge. And so uh, once you complete all four hikes, you get to cut out one of the stars from a retired flag and that's your completion prize. You get to take home one of those uh, really big stars from that uh, eight foot by twelve foot flag. Um, so, so hopefully we can bring a little bit more patriotic sentiment to, to the city. If people want to find out what trails they need to hike to in order to be eligible for one of these stars, and I admit I want one of these stars. So, well, is there a, a website or a social media app they can get on that will tell them how to complete the Rex Flag Challenge as far as what hikes? Well, on Instagram, it's so it basically started on Instagram. Uh, you can also find it on, on Facebook as well. But uh, on Instagram, uh, you would look me up, uh, Kenny, K-E-N-N-Y-B-P-A-S-T-E-N. Um, and uh, all the, the, the trails are on there. And I also have a separate Instagram account uh, for the Rex Flag Challenge, which is at Rex Flag Challenge. Um, and, and it has the four locations there. Um, and, and that account actually uh, features some of the hikers that have completed the, the, the hikes. Um, and you can see other people's journey um, and, and, and how they felt about getting there and, and, and doing those hikes and what, what the, the flag means to them. I don't want to just uh, bypass your story on the mountain um, that, so quickly, but, you know, 17 hours – you know, for the for the listeners and the viewers who have yet to 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 have seen that television movie, I mean, uh, what was the, you know, give us a quick uh, a brief timeline of it? You I mean what time did you get to the base of the mountain, and then you know, what time was it whenever the snowstorm hit versus what time was it whenever you were found? Uh, I, I want to say we started at like ten twenty, ten thirty a.m. Check, uh, check the microphone. I think your hand might be over it. Okay, is this better? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay, so I think it was like 10:20 in the morning or so uh, when we started, um, and then it was right at sunset. Uh, we were sitting down taking a break, and then right as soon as the sun went down, uh, that that storm just came out from behind the mountain and and just like four feet of snow like instantly, um, and then from the time we were rescued would have been, I think it was like. 1 p.m. the next day. Um, so yeah, it was a it was a long time, and I actually wow. I ended up losing like 16 pounds overnight, um, just from from all the exertion of, of having to carry this other hiker that was injured and and continuing to climb the mountain to get to cell phone reception. Um, and I had frostbite and other. I, I would say, I mean, I'm going to put this in the in the blog post. 
so people can find this. I mean, it's, it's a great story. I, you, you weren't exactly thrilled with the way that ABC packaged it together for the, you know, I don't, I live in Hollywood. I understand there's a lot of dramatization in, in things. I mean, even reality TV isn't reality TV. Right. Is, there, is there anything specifically in there that they maybe over-dramatized or didn't tell in, a, in, a, in the correct way that you'd like to take this opportunity to correct? Well, uh, my biggest issue was um, all of the things that I guess would have made me look good, like when my other fellow hiker – she blacked out and I carried her for several hours on my back. They cut out of the story um, and they added other things that made me look bad. Like the fact that um, they made up a bunch of characters that never happened, situations that never happened. All these warning signs that, uh, you know, it was like, Oh, everybody knew about the bad weather. And there was like a park ranger that, I guess, talked to us and said, oh, you guys should just, you know, go a little bit up ahead and then turn back. Well, any, any person with a brain would know that a, a person in law enforcement, a park ranger, if he knew that there was an impending, you know, snowstorm, he would not let us walk past him and continue on a trail that is, is so dangerous like, like Mount Sangagonio is. Um, but they, they portrayed it as, you know, I was like, ah, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to do this anyway. Yeah. What was um, it? Uh, uh, march on or, or, or continue onward. forward onward. Yeah. Onward. You know, I'm, I'm watching this the other night and I'm like, and I, and I remember you told me when I first met you that you weren't, that thing doesn't accurately portray you. So I was already looking for things I thought were a little BS and the park ranger scene, the one where you guys are walking up and like the other hikers are walking down and they said right. they left late and it was six in the morning. And I'm like, this, uh, I, I mean, I love that though. On forward, on forward. What was it? One more time. Onward. Onward. Yeah. Just onward, Jesse. Come on. You can remember that. And I'm like, I get that. That's a powerful onward thing to do. I'm like, there's no way this guy with military training is just going to be like, Oh, what? It's four in the afternoon. Now nah, we can make it another three miles ahead or something. Like I, I, yeah. I was already seeing some, some BS, but so you're saying that they dramatized that to the point where those things didn't even happen. Like you didn't even meet right. hikers coming down the mountain. There was no, forest ranger telling you that you should only go up to this one place an hour up and turn around like that didn't even yeah, occur. Said, I think his exact words were something like it's a good day for a day hike go to the lookout point and I'm like what lookout point that doesn't even exist anyone that's ever been to San Gregorio knows that this guy's full of it like the what <laughs> <laughs> so not only really, did they lie in the dramatization about you meeting a park ranger, in the dramatization they told you to go somewhere that doesn't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. And then, and then the the part where the hikers are talking about, oh well, you know, you can make it up to the tree line. We're under trees. We're in the tree line. Yeah. And they're talking about you can make it to the tree line. We're, like, what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> we're, again, it, it was people that made this story and had no idea what they're talking about and didn't even know about hiking or, I mean, even being outside. I mean, anyone that sees a bunch of trees, that's a tree line. Overall, I felt like it was good, but there was just a bunch of little things that, that was definitely um, trying to follow their narrative. Um, and there was also a, a, a part where um, they actually spliced my interview into saying something that I never said. Um, the, there was a part where they were, the interviewer asked me, 
um, if I was ever scared. And she was actually referring to when I was deployed to Iraq. She asked if I, you know, was ever scared while I was on my deployment. <clears throat> and I said that I wasn't necessarily scared. I was just uh, uh, not, not afraid for, for dying, but afraid of making the wrong decision to get other people killed. And um, they actually cut and paste my statement because I was um, in, in the TV show. They asked if I uh, was scared while I was on the mountain. And uh, they made it seem like I was talking about that time while I was on the mountain. Um, and that's not actually what I said. And they, they actually put two different interviews together to make me say, oh, no, I wasn't scared, you know, like almost making me sound like I was arrogant or something. You know, that's a, the unfortunate thing with those kind of, I wouldn't say reality shows, but those dramatizations, it's, it's like you already have an amazing heartfelt story. Why do you feel the need that you have to kick it up a notch? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you at least, I mean, you know, it got out there, you know, people know the harrowing experience that you had. Do you, are you still friends with that female hiker that you were up there with? Um, yeah, I mean, she, um, she's not from California. She was just passing through. Right. Um, so we don't live anywhere near each other. She's out in Georgia. Um, and actually right after the whole thing happened, um, she actually left the country and actually just recently got back. Uh, she was out in New Zealand or something like that. Um, she was doing a pretty amazing little trip herself, just got in a car and was just hitting state after state after state. So yeah, that's uh, you know, that was uh, I bet, I bet you that's a story she still tells. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but before we get you out of here, um, is there anything else as far as maybe the uh, the hike for Rex, or is there anything else you got going on that you want to talk about while we have you here? I feel like we've, we've I've monopolized your time talking about things I was interested in. Is there anything we've missed about what you're doing? Um, just uh, you know, I'd I'd, uh, I'd love for people to get involved um, and 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 join the movement. Um, you know, if anyone wants to send me a message on on Instagram, um, and you know, just trying to get more details or just interested in general about hiking. Um, I try to answer people's uh, questions, um, just general questions about hiking. What are my favorite hikes? You know, what, what are good hikes for dogs or people with kids and stuff like that? Um, you know, yeah, send me a message. I, 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 I try to respond back to as many people as possible, as often as possible. Um, and, uh, and, and if you're interested in doing the hike, we have a, a group hike coming up on September 9th. Um, to get people to, to join us and, uh, and, and knock out some of the uh, Rex Flag Challenge uh, hikes. September 9th. September 9th at, at 9 a.m. we're doing um, the Griffith Park Observatory um, Trail, and that's like a, a, a five-mile round trip. Um, and, and I say that all of my hikes are, are very beginner's hikes, and um, everyone everyone can do it. I mean, it's a very – slow paced um environment for for people to meet and and get to know each other it's it's so amazing that when we host these group hikes we have you know movie producers and and you know valets and artists and different kinds of of professions come together and and you know the, the thing that unites us all is is uh, patriotism and and uh, love for nature and, and being on the mountain yeah yeah i would love to see the the rexitron challenge 
go for people all around the country, all around the world, everyone just go on their favorite hike. And when they get to the top, you know, take a picture, you know, if they're from another country, great. Take a picture of your country's flag at the top of some awesome hike in Ukraine or something, you know, it's like yeah. just, I, I feel like when people go out and they're part with nature, it, you know, there's, there's a certain amount you, you, you nature brings about empathy and love in people. I really do believe that because you just right. see how everything in a forest is interconnected, how all the wildlife is. And, and more people got out there and just enjoyed nature. Stop staring down at their phone. I mean, take your phone, take some pictures, be a normal person. I get it. Everybody wants a picture, but you know, that's it. And then put it, you know, put it back in your pocket and go out on a hike and just enjoy the people that are around you. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually um, trying to work with some people out in uh, Phoenix uh, in the Arizona area to, to try to plant a flag up there and, and encourage people. If you know, if you live in, in Arizona and you can get to Phoenix, get to the Phoenix flag and participate in that way. And someday you can make it out to LA, you know, make the four hour trip and, and come do the flag challenge there. Um, as well as uh, some people out in Portland and doing, doing the same sort of thing, you know, putting a, a flag in the highest point uh, uh, within the city limits um, and, and giving them that opportunity. Uh, it's funny because after the show aired, I had a bunch of people from around the country that would say the same thing that, oh, I wish, you know, you could do this in Florida, you know, because I, I, I live so far away from LA and, you know, I'd love to be a part of it, but, you know, I just can't make it, um, you know, and that, that's where if people want to get involved and, and help set that up, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy to fly out to Florida or Texas or Portland or wherever um, to help, you know, set that up and, and have people, you know, spread patriotism and, and get people out and, and exercise and be more polite and yeah. say hello to all the hikers that you pass and, you know, and be courteous. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I know you have a Facebook presence, but maybe a Facebook group where people can just go on their hikes and just take a flag. I mean, everybody pretty much travels with some sort of backpack on them when they go hiking. It would not be out of the question to this. I have a flag. It's sitting right there. In fact, it's going to be the background to my show once I get the whole studio set up. And, uh, yeah, I'll take a – next time I go on a hike – with my men's group, we, we always meet on Sunday mornings for hikes. I'll take the flag and snap a pic and throw down, uh, put the hashtag, uh, the Rex flag challenge just to just, yeah, just be sure. another cool place, man. So you do some great stuff, Kenny. I'm glad you took the time out to talk to me, man. Thank you for, for sure. your service in the military and, you know, for what you were able to do to help, you know, make that moment for those families, uh, mean something. Um, you know, thank you for surviving on that mountain so that you can spread this awesome love and, you know, and it's, uh, thanks for having such a great dog who didn't run away in the middle of the night on the mountain because I w I'm watching this video and I'm like, please just don't let the dog decide to sprint away. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, he, he very much is, is uh, attached to me. He's a, he's a little love bug. He's always right, right next to me wherever I'm at. So, so yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty pretty amazing that he, he stayed with us uh, even through the uh, mountain lion situation and, and, you know, all the cold and everything, you know, cause I definitely, he kept us warm for sure. You know, uh, I'm, I'm, since I got sober, I'm really big into self-actualization, positive messages, things of that nature. If you had the ability to speak to everyone on the planet, they had, they had no choice, but to hear you, your voice just showed up in their head. What is a positive affirmation? What's a positive message you'd want them to take away from who you are and what you've been doing with your life? Um, yeah. Uh, wow. That's a, that's a good question. Um, 
maybe whenever you're feeling down, uh, you know, remember you're still alive and you still have the ability to uh, enjoy nature and and uh, start over again tomorrow. Awesome. Awesome, Kenny. You're a great spirit, brother. I'm glad I had a chance to meet you. I'm going to keep up with you on social media. I'm going to do the Rex Flags Challenge because I definitely want one of those stars. And uh, I'll shoot you over an email to make sure that you can send me over. I want to make sure I get all of the social media. Any way you want people to contact you, I want to make sure I get that over to me so I can put it in my blog post for this podcast. Uh, Thank you so much again for taking time out of your day, man. I know you're a busy fellow, but I appreciate you spreading your positivity my way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time out and I appreciate, uh, I, well, I thank you for your appreciation and, uh, yeah, I look forward to being, being a part of the show and, and having you out on the, uh, on the flag challenge. Absolutely. You will definitely see me. So I'm going to sign us off for now, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Everything's Interesting. As always, we are curating curiosity through compelling conversations. We have had Kenny, it's, it's Paston, right? Uh, Pasten, yeah. Pasten, yeah. There's this little, there's a little accent mark over the. Yeah, I saw it earlier, and I and I when I said Pasten, I'm like, it's like it's like Pasten. So I'm like, yeah, get, get it right. I I lack the accent. <laughs> I'm from Oklahoma. I can no say worries. I can say y'all. But uh, as always, it's it's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Everything's Interesting. You can find out more information about Kenny and Rexy Chan and the Rex Flag Challenge at my website, MediaMogul.com. You should be able to find it under the tag Kenny uh, Rex Tron. It's all going to be there. As always, I am curating curiosity through compelling conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, be safe out there and take care of each other. Take care now, guys. We'll talk soon.